Yeah. Back again, episode two. Episode two. You mean the stigma, you already know. I'm in a silly mood today, man. Silly? Silly? Why? Oh, dude. It's feeling good, man. You know, sitting here, man, I had a lot of coffee today, and I'm still drinking some. What the? <laughs> I told you I was in a silly mood, bro. <laughs> So again, you know, you mean the stigma, episode two, you know, uh, starting off uh, very energetic, uh, you know, it's just Saturday, in a silly mood. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. How's your week? Doing all right. Uh, before we get to that, let's, uh, let's, let's reintroduce ourselves. Uh, my name is Adrian. My name is Chris. And we are two AMFTs out of Southern California. Uh, providing you with a uh, mental health slash, you know, jokes in a good time podcast uh, aimed at primarily just uh, de- destigmatizing the topic of mental health in, uh, in our culture, in our communities, particularly for us, the uh, Spanish-speaking uh, Hispanic culture. Yeah, and also giving us a space where we can talk about mm-hmm. what it's like being therapists and joking around a little bit about our profession while all at the same time being a little bit educational here and there. Of course, yeah. Um, you know, just want to clarify, we are not on the clock. Uh, while we may talk about uh, some clinical topics uh, and we will discuss interventions and, and things of the sort, uh, we hope that you never take our podcast uh, as a replacement for therapy. If anything that we talk about brings up questions, doubts, be sure to talk about it with your therapist and your psychiatrist and figure it out that way. Yeah, we're off the clock. We're just having fun. (laughs) Awesome. So with that being said, uh, definitely want to continue a topic that we brought up uh, last episode in episode one, which was... um, Psychoeducating parents. Psychoeducating our parents through that initial... You know, those first uh, days or early stages of coming to terms with uh, the mental health uh, issues that we were kind of struggling with as young men. So tell me about that. Tell me about that a little bit, Chris. I mean, in the beginning, it was it was a little bit just uh, just being upfront uh, with my parents about about having anxiety and depression and stuff. I mean, I think recently it's been a little bit different where I try to I mean, I basically I use humor 
to deal with, mm. uh, you know, sometimes like my anxiety and depression. But sometimes I play a little bit too much, I think. <laughs> There's this funny story that came up recently, like, and someone out there is probably going to get mad at me for this, but okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, it was funny in the moment. So I've been taking medication since like 2012 okay. um, for my anxiety and depression and stuff. And that's shifted over time. Doses right. going down, all that stuff. So um, I, I was, I was talking with my dad and he like, he's like freaking out. He's like, man, your mom is taking this like medication for like, for nerve pain. Mm. Um, that medication, I forgot what it is, but it's... Neurobion. What? Neurobion. Is that, is that it? Oh no, that's what my mom takes. <laughs> that's what my mom takes. She, oh man, anything. You sick with the flu? Neurobion. Oh my God. <laughs> you got a headache? Neurobion. It's like Robitussin basically. <laughs> it's like Sprite. It's Sprite. Sprite and lime. <laughs> Sprite and lemon. Exactly. But go on, go on. Yeah, so my... So my mom's taking this medication for nerve pain, but mm. also like it's it's also used to treat depression. Mm. Um, and so my mom has chronic pain, and my dad's like my dad was reading like the the warning and the black box thing saying like oh he's he was all worried he's like this medication is really serious it has this warning saying that you know it could potentially cause you know thoughts of suicide and stuff. Mm. And mm. I was like, dude, it'll be fine. Like three of the medications I take say that same thing, yeah. and I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks at me and he's like, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm like, don't worry, man. It'll be good. Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know? But yeah, he, he, I think I freaked about a little bit too much on that mm. one. <laughs> yeah, man. I remember uh, when I was telling my family about having to take that. Well, that I, that I was prescribed antidepressants. Mm -hmm. um, it caused like a a conversation, well, a conversation in like, you know, uh, like in Hispanic uh, terms, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is like, you know, tiptoe around the topic, don't really like directly talk about it, but like make side comments around it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, early on, it was like, um, you know, kind of like how I talked about in episode one, it's like, oh, um, do you have to take it, you know, always? Yeah. You know, how long do you have to be on it, right? Um, you know, is it is it is it really um, is it really changing something within you, or is it more like you know, like placebo? Like they didn't say placebo, but it was a, like, is it more so for you to just think you're feeling better? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, so it was kind of like a process to let them know, hey, you know, this is what the psychiatrist told me about this medication, what it does, uh, the purpose that it serves, um, and just trying to, you know, just trying to explain that in, in, in layman's terms in Spanish, uh, which yeah. was incredibly foreign to my mom. Yeah, like, yeah. What? You know, like you're, like you're depressed? You know, you you lived, you know, grew up in the United States, and Dude, you're depressed. Same with my same, same with my dad. <laughs> Seriously, legit. He told me the same thing. She's like, "Oh, you you carriaba agua en tormentas in Zacatecas." You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, and I was like, "That's cool," but did you grow up in Inglewood? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of that kind of brings up another point too. That 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 I think a lot of people a lot of people miss is that. Um, just because someone had a different experience that doesn't invalidate yours, you know? Sure, 1,000%. Yeah. Like, I, I, like, I tell people, say, like, oh, 2020 was a shitty year, and mm -hmm. like, it's, like, the worst year, and all that stuff. And Not for Jeff Bezos. 
Yeah, not for Jeff Bezos. You know, I mean, more power to him. I mean, he actually. Oh Jeff boy. Bezos. Mm, <laughs> Jeff Bezos. Love in 2020, boy. No, but uh, you got that vaccine in August. He did. I bet. I'll probably. Yeah. If I was Jeff Bezos, I would have been. <laughs> I would have been at it in like August, July. He probably had the he probably had the variety pack and got free shipping. Yeah, with it. <laughs> my, my, no, my dude didn't even get it in it like intravenously. My, my my guy had it given like administered to him via like Flintstones vitamins. <laughs> Flintstones you know vitamins yeah. Exactly. Like, give me the vaccine and Flintstones vitamins <laughs> through Amazon. <laughs> through Amazon. Two day shipping, free. Rapido. Rapido. Anyway, but yeah, my bad. I'm interrupting. I'm not gonna go for it. Someone else was like, so like one of my colleagues was like, oh yeah, you know what was a bad year? That like the year of the Black Plague came to like new like mm. <laughs> Europe, and I'm like, mm. you know, this year can suck too. Like that's mm. okay. Like don't invalidate. <laughs> mm. But yeah, you're right. I mean, our our parents did. I mean, my parents did that to me too. They're like, how can you guys be depressed and this and that? I got that the most from like my brothers and like my sister, who like they, you know grew up in very rough environments you really? know what i mean like yeah. they went through some you know uh very different experiences that not a lot of people go through uh, i'll just leave it at that i'm not going to put their their business on blast like that but they definitely experienced a very different childhood parentified at very early uh ages um you know having to learn to take care of themselves and and in a lot of ways also taking care of my parents, right? Gotcha, yeah. Um, and so that was weird for them uh, to then hear from me, who didn't have to deal with any of that, <laughs> uh, who was, like, always hated on as, like, being, for one, being the only one in the family to be born in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> from day one, I was like, they were like, oh, pocho, you know what I mean? Like, you can't root for the Mexican uh, men's na uh, soccer team, you know what I mean? Like, you got to root for the USA, and I was always like, man, the USA sucks. Like, <laughs> I want to root for the Mexican, uh, the Mexican soccer team. Um, so just kind of growing up with that kind of like um, perception of like, m you know, my lifestyle as compared to theirs, it was very um, odd to them that I needed therapy <laughs> or that I would be the first to, to want yeah. to seek therapy and, and, and psychiatric medications. Um, and I was just like, well, duh, I had to grow up with your crazy asses around <laughs> me. Like, that's, that's why. Um, that, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was really funny trying to, you know, explain that to them. Yeah. I mean, that poses an interesting question. It's like, it, you do see that where, where the older generations in, in our culture like, are like, you know, you kids have depression and you go to therapy and all that stuff. And at the same time, it's like, well, you know, you kind of, it's like, well, let's say we were switched positions. Like, you'd probably be in therapy too because it's yeah there's a stigma attached to it like with the older generations like mm -hmm. you don't talk about your problems like you, you don't share that stuff it's foreign to them and i mean they they probably should be in therapy too like they benefit from yeah it. yeah yeah well you know it was a uh, i i want to say you kind of touched upon it also yeah uh, last episode but um through my experience it opened doors for my family to seek and and kind of yeah. find it okay to, to to seek therapy and to seek assistance um, in that way. Right, right. Um, yeah, I just I remember, you know, one of my brothers like kind of making fun of me early on, like, mm -hmm. what, what is anxiety? 
You know what I mean? Like, what, what, what does that even look like? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're just lazy. I mean, they wouldn't tell me straight up, right, that that was their perspective, but mm. that was definitely the undertones of like, oh, come on, mm. my guy. You mm. know what I mean? Like, you're a college student, uh, you know, rooming, you know, out, outside of school, basically. Uh, you get to do whatever you want at a really young age. You know what I mean? Uh, don't have to go through any of the BS and responsibilities that we had to deal with. Like, what could you possibly be dealing with, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, you know, maybe just a little bit of like the responsibility that I have to be. Given. Yeah, <laughs> all this, be- that, all that, you know, e- all these expectations that are being put on me. To, uh, you know, my <laughs> my dad used to tell me, dude, as as um, as early as I can remember. Yeah. Uh, my dad would tell me, I was like maybe four, earliest memories, he would be like, oh, tú nos vas a sacar de pobres. Oh, man. Bro, I've been, I've been hearing that since like day one. Oh, tú nos vas a sacar de pobres. You know what I mean? Like my mom telling me, oh, esta casa va a ser tuya. Tú lo vas a tener que pagar en cuanto salgas oh de la escuela. Oh, my God. And what was funny is that like, you know, I took it on. I was like, oh, yeah, all right, that sounds good. I mean, that's that that comes with the territory of being the only one born here, I guess, right? Like I have to I have to accept those responsibilities. Um but yeah, I <laughs> excuse me. Um yeah, that was that was that was really uh uh difficult to um like I said, just kind of considering all that to explain to them um what what the process was and that was a that was a first of many times that they would be uh, shocked with my decision making or, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I think, um, you know, that was probably like in the top five, you know, shocking moments that I've provided my family in my lifetime. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally hear you. Like, especially my mom, especially your mom. Yeah. Because she was all like, oh, so you. Uh, you know, me estás diciendo que yo no fui buena madre. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yo fui mala para ti. Como si yo te di todo. You know what I mean? And you're like, I'm not even saying that, man. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, it's because you gave me everything. Like, <laughs> that's a funny story. I'll, I'll share. I mean, it's it's that there's a funny story there, but I'll share. Yeah, it sure, go time. for it. No, 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 it's okay. It's okay. Oh, okay. Next episode. Mm. Keep the keep the listener wanting more. Um, <laughs> I mean, for sure, one of the things that I, I think that that I the older generations don't understand and this goes like across the board with like most people's like topic of tattoos yeah um in the top five as well yeah in the top five for me probably in the top two i think yeah it's still a point of contention uh with my family <laughs> i i don't know uh, <laughs> hold on so, sidebar <laughs> sidebar <laughs> how do you how old were you when your when your mom found out that you uh that you fucked with uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. What? (laughs) I never did, man. I never did. You know why? Uh, My mom was so mad when when I made her walk into the Hot Topic one time. I I was like 14. I was like, ahí quiero entrar. (laughs) She was like, ¿qué? Ahí todos todos se ven eh, muy espantosos. Todo es de negro. I, oh man, when I made my mom walk walk me into the the gothic merch shops in Huntington Park <laughs> down Pacific in Florence, my guy. Oh, dude, she was hot. She was super disappointed. Yo te llevé a escuela católica, mijo. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Super <laughs> she br- disappointed. She brought up the Catholic school. Oh, all the time. All the time. All, all the time. 
I know? I just remember I just remember like like uh, like going to church on Sunday and then afterwards going to the the the, the main place mall food court and then after that I'd be like, <laughs> hey dad, can we go into like the hot topic and still be dressed up? <laughs> We'd all still be dressed up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was the only one wearing jeans and a black t-shirt. I'm like, I want this. Uh, yeah. And it's like a button that says something like, I don't know, like <laughs> free hugs or something. And then like an yeah, Avenged yeah, Sevenfold yeah. t-shirt or something. <laughs> what, what's, the, <laughs> what's the worst thing your parents told you for being a roquero? I mean, oh, geez. I mean, I, t- I remember, oh, man. I mean, one of the things that, that came up was... When they saw my tattoos and stuff, yeah. my my dad was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pentecostal Christian dad, you know, right? Um, and he was like, tirando el dinero, tirando. <laughs> <laughs> like that's where he went first, yeah. But I think like his initial reaction was like he looked at it, he's like, no chingues, Chris, come on. <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, before we even got the tattoos, bro, when I was just like a teenager and I was just like, you know, I was I was um, I was feeling comfortable, yeah. you know, putting on my uh, my Hot Topic ensemble. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I remember <laughs> my dad one time he told me he like picked me up because like I would hang out with him on weekends after him and my mom's lit. Um, I would <laughs> I would hang out with him on weekends, and one time, uh, I just like hopped into his truck, um, <laughs> into his tundra. Yeah, yeah. And he looked at me. He just kind of sized me up, you know, like head to toe. And he was like, mm, "Si estuviéramos en mi rancho, ya te hubiéramos pedreado." <laughs> what the hell? I was like. All right, well, good thing we live in Los Angeles where, where you, we don't stone people. That's an assault charge. <laughs> like, no, there, there is one thing I should admit to that I, oh, God. <laughs> I mean, if we're, we're, we're just totally being honest and open here. Like, mm-hmm. And this is, this is going to be a matter of public record as soon as I say this. But yeah. Uh, yeah, like, I didn't do this too often, but there are people out there, and my parents are included, who did see me wearing guy liner. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, my mom was hot because, well, my dad too, but he didn't really like, he wasn't really too concerned with me by Dude, this my time. Dad, my dad was so mad. He was with guy so, liner? Yeah, he was so angry. Nah, my dad was mad because he saw me with uh, fake lip piercings. Fake? Yeah, like they weren't lip piercings. It was just like the clips. Like, oh my! Were, <laughs> mine were you real. actually had the real ones. Like, mine no, were real. <laughs> yeah, I I had the fake ones. I was too much of a weenie as a teenager. Like, I was I wasn't like I like I liked the aesthetic, but I was like still not down to go through with it. You know yeah, what I mean? To no, like no fully one, commit. Like, and no one would sign the uh, the the guardian papers for you at the, at the yeah exactly exactly <laughs> at the shop. exactly. But yeah, no, he was super hot. But your dad, you know, you actually had this like the snake bites. Yeah, like, you actually like, went through with them. I had <laughs> I had a, I had had seven piercings at a time. Like oh shit, yeah, <laughs> I had a tongue piercing, a lip piercings, like uh, snake bites. Yeah, then I had like four anchors. Okay. Um, Across my clavicles, and each each yeah. time I got like I got some piercings, my parents were like really upset, and mm. I I got them like mm. when I was like over eighteen, right. so I couldn't really do anything about it. Bro, I got my <laughs> first tattoo, and I feel like a weenie for it too. But I got my first tattoo. I was maybe like tw- no, I was twenty five already. That's when I got my first tattoo, mm. right? And it's funny because I you know, and, and again speaking of those like top five moments of like you know disappointing my mom or yeah. you know. Uh, shocking moments. Maybe, let's not say disappointing, but disappointing could probably fit for this one too, right? 
uh, getting my first tattoo at 25. And uh, and I told her. I gave her a heads up. You know what I mean? I was yeah. like, look, I got a tattoo. I'm, t- I'm telling you so that we don't make it a big deal, right? Like, when you see me, yeah, right? Like, let's get it out the way now. I got one. And I'm probably gonna get more. <laughs> I don't want to ever have this conversation again. Yeah. Right. And it was funny because, it, it like, you know, first one I got was like on my calf, uh-huh. and I purposefully wore shorts <sighs> the first day that you know that I would see her with my tattoo. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And she was. It was so funny. She was trying so hard to like not look at my leg. Like yeah. she would. She would kind of like look it down and then look up and then just smile. You know, like. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but look at what we're comparing. The, the process of psychoeducating them on our mental health struggles, mm-hmm. like we're comparing it to like getting tattoos, getting piercings, like, <laughs> the, you know what I mean? That just speaks to like the stigma, right? right like right, right. it's comparable to say that you're experiencing depression and anxiety in the Hispanic culture, the specifically the traditional Hispanic culture mm-hmm. is very almost similar to like telling your mom I got a tattoo. You know what I mean? Like... Although it's a little bit different because obviously when you tell when you tell your parents that you're not feeling well, it's a different sort of <laughs> concern as opposed to like, oh, I got a tattoo and I got a piercing, you know what I mean? But yeah. it's almost like comparably difficult, right? Because they don't get it, right? Parents don't just understand, just don't get it. They don't understand. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was, oh man, my mom. So the first tattoo that I got, and, and we'll quickly move on after this, but yeah, yeah. Um, the first tattoo that I got, she was kind of like, okay, mm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then when she saw the tattoos on my arms, oh boy. Oh, my mom threw a fit. Yeah. She threw a fit. It was funny. She was just like, you know, Te pusiste en el brazo? you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> she, pulled, she pulled my sweater back. She was like, ah, uh, like, she had like a whole episode. She was like, ah, mira lo que me estás causando. Me estás causando dolor. Estás contento. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Eso es lo que querías. Is this what you wanted? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> she was mad. She was like, pásame los tums. Me está dando agruras. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm, oh getting, my God. I'm getting heartburn she as a result of this, you know, <laughs> the anger. You know what I mean? Like, she was super funny. But, you know, um, her concern was obviously be beyond her cultural understanding right of what yeah yeah tattoos represent right at least in years past um one of the things she brought up was how is that going to impact you in your profession yeah no how is that going to impact your ability to get a job when they know that you have tattoos and you worship the devil (laughs) (laughs) same i mean same with my parents and it, it poses an interesting question it's like um, how does this fit into our profession? You know? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you and I are employed, so... Right. Didn't have to worry about not being employed. Didn't have to lift my shirt in my interview, so... Yeah. Or be like, hey, you know what? This tattoo, <laughs> I got it when I was like 26. Right. This yeah. is what it means to me. <laughs> the butterfly. Oh, I hate that. Sidebar. I hate when people ask. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, me too. What does that mean? For future reference, if anyone asks me what my tattoos mean, they don't mean anything. They just look cool. That's it. But anyway... Um, <laughs> It poses an interesting question, like how do how do tattoos fit into our profession? Because yeah. it's it's more widely accepted now, I think, for mm-hmm. therapists to have tattoos. Oh yeah, I've you know I saw a group of uh, uh, colleagues of ours in grad school. Oh for sure, yeah, hella tatted and great clinicians, you know, great really clinicians, great clinicians. 
Um, you know, who would have thought that something on your skin, like a tattoo, doesn't affect your clinical judgment? You know, like <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> that's so weird. But again, you know, different times, right? Like uh, different, different eras, right? Different ways of, um, you know. Tattoos hold a different place in society today as, 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 as opposed to like maybe 30 or 40 years ago. Sure thing. Um, but I, 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 you know, I still think about from time to time, how would I react if I walked into a therapy room and my therapist had like neck tats and hand tats? Right, yeah. That is something to consider. I think here's, here's the thing. Like as clinicians, here's what we have to look at is... And this is the way that it, I had it explained to me when, when I asked someone that, that opinion. They're like, well, I mean, two things. Number one, you're, if you have visible tattoos, your clients can see it. Yeah. And you have to sort of accept the, the fact that they are, they're going to draw conclusions based on what they see, that tattoo. Mm -hmm. To you, your tattoo might, be, might mean something else. And sure. to them, they're going to interpret it a certain way. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to accept that maybe they'll ask you questions or they'll have some interpretation from it, you know? Mm. And that's just kind of how it is. Right. Um, and if you can reconcile that and kind of like manage that, then cool, great. Mm. But for me personally, I, I like to just bypass that whole thing and just none of my tattoos are visible and I'm covered in tattoos. Right. Yeah, no yeah. one sees it though. I have like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, mm. seven, I think seven tattoos. Yeah. And none of them are visible. Like, there's, like, one you can kind of sort of see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if I'm wearing a short sleeve. But for you, it's a little bit different. Like, how do you do it? Like, because yours is, like, right there on the arm, right. which looks amazing, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. Uh, well, it hasn't come up in session just yet. Oh, okay. But to me, um, I've, um, I've never really thought too hard about it because one of the elements that... I feel most comfortable providing as a therapist, as, as a clinician, as any sort of direct service staff, uh, direct service uh, provider, is authenticity. Yeah. I think beyond, I think beyond whatever clinical skills or knowledge I possess, what I bring to the table when I'm working with clients more than anything is authenticity for better or for worse I've, I've yet to receive any negative feedback from supervisors or clients uh in regards to my approach to to the job nice but and, and you know i'm not saying that that necessarily validates you know the way that i've gone about doing the work i not oh, i'm not saying that it's the right way to go about it but it's what works for me. It's ultimately, um, it's ultimately what's allowed me to to feel the work that I do, to not feel like a robot that's spitting out reflective questions, right? Yeah. To communicate that I'm listening to you, right? Because I feel hesitant to react in a way that's natural to me and my approach in the way that I interact with my clients has to do a lot with remaining authentic and for me mm -hmm. the tattoos or the presentation or the uh, choice of words right to describe 
um, how I think the client is doing or based off of what, what whatever the client is telling me, to me, it's, a, it's, it's all part of it. Right, right. right so right. if the conversation were to ever come up, I wouldn't hesitate to tell the client, like, look, dude, if you have listened to the song Snapbacks and Tattoos, you would understand. <laughs> all right? If you haven't heard, if you didn't live through that era, my guy, you wouldn't know. No, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's part of it. I don't know. I think um, mm-hmm. a, a great and often overseen element of helping people or how of how to help people is really just being yourself is really just being a human yeah I right agree. yeah um and not just this robot that's there to say tell me more well what does that mean to you yeah how did that make you feel how did that make you feel yeah. or so what you're saying is yeah you know what i mean i don't know so to me the whole tattoo thing uh, that's how I reconcile it. So mm-hmm. if it ever were to come up in interview, in an interview, uh, in session with a client, in supervision, mm-hmm. that's that's how I make sense of it. That's how I reconcile the whatever concept you know the other side may hold of what that means, as opposed to what it means to me. I mean, that sort of echoes like what I definitely what I believe about. And I mean, a lot of people will agree with this. I'm not, I'm definitely not the first one to think this. Um, the person of the therapist, you know, the, mm. the, you know, your presence and everything that it entails. It's, it's one of the most, it's the most powerful tool inside of the therapy room. And so having the comfort to be genuine with that, like, you know, you know this is who I am. I'm here to help you. Let's, let's work together. Um, I'm going to be genuine and truthful with you. Yeah, totally. Huge impact with clients. I mean, for me, I think, I think for me, the struggle is more like I don't, I don't see myself as ready to share that part. Like, sure, yeah. I mean, I, it's not like, I, I don't think, kind of like, uh, you know, any other, you know, they they say like mm-hmm. inserting yourself. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. it's not like we look to insert ourselves into the session. But kind of walk that fine line of like, if that ever is explored, yeah, understanding what it means, right? So yeah, I'm sure. Like, it's not like I'm over here, <laughs> you know, wearing <laughs> yeah. short sleeves, you know, on purpose because I hope it brings up the conversation of my my tattoos in session. Sick ass tattoo, <laughs> sick ass tat, bro. <laughs> Yo, where'd you get that? Who's your artist? Who's your artist? <laughs> but oh, oh I'm not question. gonna. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> but I I feel you though. It's not like um. It's it's not like you're over here hoping to insert that, and so I agree with that sentiment of like it's not something I'm looking to explore. Yeah, it's not something that I'm looking to talk about or or purposefully bring to the table. So, on the topic of of sharing things with with family and you know obviously psychoeducating all that stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. we've got a resource for that, which is Nami. Um, oh yeah, shout out to Nami. Yeah, Nami has a like a family to family, peer to peer type of program where, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of share, you know, it's kind of like this educational thing where a family comes and talks to you about what it's like to be a family member of someone with uh, mental illness. 
Yeah, I would have loved to have known about NAMI when I was going through my experience. Well, I don't even know if they were around. I'm sure. I think they've been around for a while, right? I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to fact check that, I guess, but <laughs> I'm just going to assume <laughs> they've been around for a few years. They're a great organization that as, um, as uh, direct service providers in the field, we've continued mm -hmm. to refer clients towards um, their services, and they've been nothing short of amazing helping just doing the same thing that we aim to with this podcast, destigmatizing de the conversation of mental health. And beyond that, psychoeducating, you know, with peer-to-peer, family-to-family, to help raise awareness and have actual information on what it means to have a loved one experience mental health challenges or for yourself to have an idea of, for one, I'm not alone. Yeah. And two, getting an idea of what recovery looks like once you're a little bit farther along. Yeah, yeah. So shout out to NAMI and and the way that they, they help the community and help clients and families and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. By the way, whenever we do shout outs, like you just want to add a disclaimer, none of these people are sponsoring our podcast. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> listening, <laughs> period. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think I um, we just shout out because we want to make sure that in the event that they listen, <laughs> they know that we appreciate them. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, I, I also want to give a shout out to, number one, like a, a few IG pages. Like, I think that Yeah, we talked about that last time and, you know, yeah. didn't want to sound like we we're like hating because um, we're not. Yeah, no. Uh, one There's actually the, a lot of them that are really good. Yeah, yeah. Like one of the pages I want to shout out is actually my, my sister-in-law's page on okay. Instagram. All What's the, the at? What's the at? The at is all the feels therapy. Um, mm -hmm. She actually has her own practice and she provides counseling to families, couples, all that stuff. Um, especially, I think she specializes mostly like in in mothers, you know, motherhood and all that stuff, providing mm -hmm. therapy to, um, you know, female parents. And she's great at what she does. That's awesome. So Kaylee Rodriguez, uh, shout out to her, and uh, also a great sister-in-law. On top of mm. that, how about you, man? Very important. Who do you want to shout out? There's a couple pages that are incredibly educational, and if you're um, into that kind of like self-help IG realm, I will provide you with a cool little list. Uh, for starters, um, I'd like to shout out The Real Depression Project. Oh yeah, they're good. They're amazing. Let me... Go to my bookmarks real quick. Yeah, at Real Depression Project. They're incredible. They're super educational, super easy to understand. Uh, also, at Anxiety underscore Wellbeing. Super educational. And the third one, at DLC. That's David, Lion, Charlie, Anxiety, all at, at uh, Instagram. Those pages are, like I said, incredibly insightful, really well uh, ran. The information that they share is, it helps me. Yeah. Um, it helps yeah. me uh, as a clinician and, uh, you know, personally to kind of better understand some of the topics that, that are 
presented in the different posts. Like there was a really good one that um, I can't remember which one it was. I, I want to say it was the Real Depression Project posted uh, a couple days ago or maybe last week. It was a post about what an uh, anxiety attack looks like as opposed to a panic attack. Right. Yeah, I saw that. That was actually really informational. I like that. Yeah, I shared that because I feel like there's a lot of misinformation out there about what panic attacks look like and anxiety attacks look like. And mm-hmm. I think oftentimes um, there's just, like we mentioned last episode, there's there's so many, there's so many uh Mental health pages now, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's great, right? Because that speaks to kind of where we're going as a society, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe that that might just be our bubble. I'm not sure. I haven't figured it out just yet. Yeah. It could be our bubble as mental health clinicians that we so happen to come across these pages. Uh, I want to think that it's because as a, as a society, we're becoming more open-minded to having those conversations, right? To talk about uh, very concretely clinical mental health struggles right right uh that's that's where i would like to think we're headed (laughs) but you know there is a lot of misinformation out there as well uh yeah i agree like uh you know like sometimes we see like what slogans or pieces of advice or like little statements that taken on their own like they can they're either wrong or inaccurate or something right all right (laughs) Mental health Twitter. Mental health Twitter. Mental health Twitter is nuts, <laughs> right? And that's not a particularly like PC statement to make as we're talking about mental health. Yeah. But mental health Twitter is all over the place, mm. right? Which kind of I, I saw it all kind of you know come together in mm-hmm. this <laughs> this recent Twitter post. Uh, that was uh, it was like a whole thread about what 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 sounds like good advice, but it sound but it's actually bad advice. Mm-hmm. And the amount of people arguing over very clearly bad oh man statements to live by mm-hmm. was incredible. But it speaks to the amount of misinformation that's out there about mental health or. Boundary setting. So I thought, fuck it. Let's let's talk about some. Of <laughs> let's let's go through some of those. Yeah, let's go let's go through some of these. I think um, we came across like what this is kind of like one of those segments that we talked about. Like, hey, what if we talk about like advice that sounds good but is actually really bad? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I could start us off. Like, one of the things that that came up. Um, that I, I I read and it looks horrible is is this one. Being in love means never having to say you're sorry. Ooh. What the hell kind of bad advice is that? Ooh, child. Dude, you're constantly gonna be saying sorry in, in any happy, good relationship. <laughs> <laughs> well, only if you mean it. Only if you mean it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like it's like I, 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 I teach couples about seeking and granting right. forgiveness and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and de-escalating a situation before you get to a point where you need to say you're sorry. But I think the, the entire concept of you're never having, never having to say you're sorry, and then that's a hallmark of love, is inaccurate. 
You know, I think it, it paints it paints a picture of like you'll never have to just say sorry because you can never do no wrong. Like it's like come on, like yeah, no, it, it, reality is not like that. None of my clients are like that. I have never seen a happy relationship where sorry was never said. Like <laughs> <laughs> those are relationships end very quickly. So don't follow that. That's funny. Um, yeah, another one is don't take no for an answer. Yeah, you should you should take Yo, no for an answer. Yo, you should definitely take no <laughs> for an answer if yeah. that's the response you're eliciting from whatever you're trying to get to happen. Yeah. All right. Major rapey vibes. Don't take no for an answer is nuts. It's also like, would you like some coffee? No, no, thank you. No, I insist. I insist. Like you're either take gonna this sit down espresso. And take <laughs> That is like super. Also, like yeah. that. Rem- that reminds me a lot of just like traditional Hispanic households. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a little different, but it's just like con confianza agarra más comida. Ahí hay más. Tienes hambre. Por eso estás bien flaco. <laughs> and then they mad, and then they dog you when you're like, oh, ya está subiendo de peso. Yeah, exactly. They're like you need to lose weight. Yeah. Te tienes que preocupar. <laughs> You've been feeding me seconds and thirds all my life. All right, my bad. I'm just, I'm yeah. just projecting my issues. Right now. <laughs> uh, let's see. What's another one, man? Oh, actually, I'll take this one. Uh, Honesty is the best policy. <laughs> Be, hear, hear me out. Hear me out. All right, uh, I'm, I'm not advocating dishonesty. I'm not advocating lies. But here's, here's something that I've learned in, uh, in, in counseling. In counseling people, like, through my own counseling and also, like, with experience, honesty, honesty is is good. I think it's a great thing. I think it's awesome, and it can be very healing. Absolutely, sure. But you can be cruel with your honesty. You can beat someone to hell with your honesty. Yeah, I think. I think there 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 can be a difference. There's a line between honesty and just being like crude, yeah. and blunt. And secondly, there there's something else that, that happens when, let's say, someone has done something, you know, and they're they're carrying it for a while. They're they're carrying this guilt for something that wrong that they've they felt that they they've done. And they're like, Oh man, you know, like I I feel like I feel like I need to tell so and so what I did, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, this thing I did like 10, 20 years ago or something. And and I, I like to look at that and be like, well, you know, why why now? Why do you need to talk about this? Like what purpose will it serve? Will it, you know, lead to greater connection, greater trust and honesty and all that? Or is it just something for you to relieve and get off your chest because you can't carry it for you? You carried right, it for fifteen yeah. years. It's carried it a little bit longer, buddy. <laughs> 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 because like you really you're the risk is that you're shotgunning um, the, all the honesty and trust and good stuff that's already there for the sake of making yourself feel better. And it's like, that's kind of like an area where I let the clients do their own decisions for that. But sure, yeah. for me, it's it's something that's sitting in the back of my head. It's like honesty, but like you're, you're, you're not really doing it for the other person. You're doing it for yourself. And well, I mean, if you're upfront about why you're doing it, yeah, I think that changes it a little bit. True. Yeah. But yeah, like honesty, because you're trying to 
you're justifying it as like, oh no, this is for you. When yeah. In reality, it's for me. Well, yeah, that can get a little dicey. But I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's have another one, Adrian. <laughs> Shit. <coughs> um, what's another one that I, I grew up listening to? This is, uh, and I've seen this on Twitter a couple times too. It's like, uh, if it's truly yours, it'll come back to you. <laughs> uh, man, I'm just I'm blown away. Like I've heard that one, but I'm just blown away by like the implications. The of that. amount of people <laughs> that really buy into that, though. I mean, like what? It, okay, what is what does that mean? Like, what do you think it's trying to say? I think it alludes to um, when partners are not loyal. Yeah. When they dis- when they decide they need a break or they mm. don't want to be with you, yeah. Or okay. if they tell you straight up, I don't want to be with you. <laughs> and then someone tells and you, and then like, somebody tells you, well, you know, if he's really yours, he'll come back. Or like if you <laughs> <laughs> that man ain't coming back. <laughs> that man is gone. That it- woman is gone, Brody. And she's not coming back to you. <laughs> and, and if she is, then if she comes back and if he comes back, let me tell you, you're in a toxic relationship. <laughs> That's another one these young kids like throw around. Oh, you're toxic. Oh, you're toxic. Well, you want to just, I just don't like hanging out with you. Like, you just say that. <laughs> no, but that, here's the, you make a good point though. The implication is that, okay, oh, you know, if it's, if it's truly yours, it'll come back to you, you know, like, or if they're truly yours, they'll come back to you. Uh, the implication there is that coming back together is a good thing. And that's not always true. Like, sometimes it's good that they left. It's good that, like, something changed. Yeah. Because maybe it was going in a direction that was really, really bad. That's one thing. Um, so coming back together, that's not, a, that's not a good thing, if you think about it. Yeah. And let's go with the extreme case. It's like, oh, your, your abusive wife or your abusive yeah. husband yeah. left. If, it, if they're yours, they'll come back to you. Don't let them come back. Lock Don't the door. Don't let that man come back. Don't <laughs> let that woman come back. Lock the door, man. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. Uh, never give up. I think that's another one. that. That's a tough one. It's a tough one. But here's the thing. There is, there is something to say. Like I think that one goes back to like, don't take no for an answer. Yeah. There are some times where you should give up, I think. I well, not should, but Galaxy Quest misled us, bro. Galaxy Quest, what the heck? Never give up, never surrender. Oh, I was, I was, <laughs> I was, I was thinking of uh, Winston Churchill. Oh, right. for sure, yeah, that too. <laughs> Him too. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I think, I think you get to a point in anything. Let's say it's it's a job, where yes, give up, like go somewhere else, leave. <laughs> <laughs> You're not happy, yeah. or. Give up on this on on this on this plan that you had because it's not working out. Give and up by, on the podcast. It's not going to work. <laughs> I'm never going to <laughs> give this up, man. I'm going to ride this train till the bitter end. Man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear that, man. That's that's a really tough one too. Just because you know um, that that has a lot of implications. Yeah. Um, and it's a, yeah, it's a different flavor of uh, don't take no for an answer. I think uh, pride comes a lot into play. Oh sure, yeah. I, I think I think there's Never something. Give up. I, I I agree. I think there's something to be said about about the topic of pride when it comes to don't take no for an answer or yeah. never give up. It's like you don't want to seem like you failed. But here's the thing: like yeah, 
are are choosing to leave something that didn't work doesn't automatically make it a failure. It's like, okay, this didn't work. I'm gonna pour my resources into something else. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I just I just think like there's some things that aren't gonna work out and it's okay yeah. to admit that they're not. Yeah. It's okay to admit that they're not gonna work out. However, it may require a journey to arrive to that conclusion. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. so that's another my my favorite one out of out of uh out of this segment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good advice that, that what sounds like good advice that but is really bad advice. You don't owe anybody anything. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that excuses so much destructive oh behavior. My oh my god. Goodness. Toxic. Dude. Toxic. I mean I, I get it, but it's like you still shouldn't do that thing you're thinking about doing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't owe you anything. I don't have to do anything. Yeah. I'm doing this because I want to. Toxic. How old were you when you realized you were toxic? <laughs> I realized uh, I realized that a couple years ago. I'm toxic as fuck. Dude, I think I was like. I mean. Oh man, I used to be terrible. I yeah, have I the capacity for like I remember like, <laughs> <laughs> high school, dude. <laughs> uh, oh, that's cool, man. That's good for you. You 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 were self aware <laughs> very early on. Early on. <laughs> nah, <laughs> it took me a while to realize oh, I'm fucking bullshit, dude. <laughs> man, this, this podcast took a turn, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. Nah, I mean it's just like <laughs> we're talking about. Uh, you know, the journey that it requires to um, become self-aware and, and take that next step <laughs> in becoming, you know, the, the best version of yourself. And, <laughs> and sometimes it's realizing that some of the, the good advice that you thought was good advice growing up, you, you, you realize through your own life experiences is they're bad advice. Yeah. And you've been. Oops, sorry about that. And that uh, you've been, um, you've been, um, that the, you've been living your life in a very, as in my case, toxic way, justifying kind of like you mentioned, yeah, the behavior with some of these goofy, you know, quote unquote, good advice that you that I that I've heard over the years. So. Um, yeah, I I refuse to believe I'm alone in that. Yeah, uh, and I think that's why it's important to to segue into healthy boundaries because um, a lot of what these <laughs> what what uh, what sounds like good advice but is actually bad advice typically has to do with boundaries. Yeah, that's true. A lot of what's mental health Twitter really revolves around what are perceived to be healthy boundaries as opposed to unhealthy boundaries. Yeah. I mean, what's what's one way would you say that you you did implement healthy boundaries this week? Like like in your own personal or professional life. Can Tell you say that one more time? Um what's what's one way that you you implemented healthy boundaries this week, either professionally or you know, in your personal life? Oh, this week? Man, with work, I was just like, yo, I'm not working after X amount of time. That's good. I was just like, I've typed three notes. I'm done for the day. That's my boundary. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I was just, I, I think that's, a, you know, working from home, mm-hmm. that's uh, blurred some of those boundaries a little bit, right? Because yeah. now, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I feel guilty oh, yeah, when, sure. fe- when I feel like I, I'm not as productive as, as I could have been, right? Because, like, you're at home. So there's a lot mentally that I've had to kind of like work through to be able to implement those healthy boundaries with within myself and and work. Sure. Right. Yeah. Like you know I'm I'm going to you know provide myself some grace and acknowledge the positive or the whatever productivity that I've been able to crank out for the day, and I'm cutting this. You know, I'm cutting. I'm cutting work off mm-hmm. at six o'clock. Right. So that's that's something that I've that I've consistently battled with throughout the whole pandemic. Again, mm-hmm. very lucky. That's been my struggle. Yeah. But um. But yeah, that's that's where I've set set boundaries. That's cool. What about you, man? Um, I mean, for me, it's it's been informing my clients and and letting them know that I'm just taking like the first. First week of January off and the last week of, mm-hmm. of December off. Um, I won't be seeing clients. I mean, unless it's an emergency, of course, they can call in and all that stuff. But right. um, it's something that I'm doing for me because I think there is there is a certain mindset for me. Like, I think I'm still learning to... I'm still learning to feel like I'm off the clock when I'm off the clock. Right. Um, oh, man, that's tough. Yeah. But having having that in place where I'm letting them know, like, hey, I'm right. not going to be in that kind of absolves me of this of this like ready sense of readiness that I'm constantly on and so it's like okay I know for the, like the last week of December and the first week of January I can back up mentally right. not feel like I have to take calls hey I'll return your call when I get back to the office no problem that's great um I'm still going to be working my day job obviously but um it's just kind of good to know that my day will end those yeah. the last two weeks. I mean, those two weeks will end at five o'clock every day. I don't have to worry about like, or think about or prepare for my evening sessions. And again, you know, super blessed that I can do that. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there who, who cannot or they yeah. are unemployed. And so I do count myself blessed. Sure. Um, Got to. But yeah, one of the ways that I'm, I'm doing, doing healthy boundaries, man. Awesome. So, I figured we could go through um, what healthy boundaries look like. And again, shout out to the Real Depression Project on Instagram. Yeah. I uh, figured it'd be good to kind of read through some of these um, as I think it, it um, encapsulates what healthy boundaries look like. Uh, so number one, you say no when something doesn't align with your values. Hmm. That's tough, especially at work. Especially at work. Yeah. Work challenges that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, you're accepting of the same kindness and consideration you give others. I think that's tough Ooh. for all. I mean, every clinician I've ever met, I think. So hard to take compliments. Yeah. So, so difficult. Hard. It's so hard. It's so hard to take compliments and it's so hard not to discount um, yeah. the work that we do. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Number three, you don't tolerate disrespectful behavior. That's that's kind of tough, especially in the line of work that we do because of the clients and where they're at and what, sure. what they can pose. But again, that's a boundary that you have to set. Mm-hmm. I mean, clients that you find yourself, at least personally, that where I've found myself uh, in a session where a client is being disrespectful, typically those clients have a poor sense of boundaries. Hmm. So it's our job to learn them. 
learn them. Learn them a little bit. Some. So that, but that can be really tough, right? Like you know, to walk that line for sure. Yeah. As a supervisor. Yeah. <laughs> as a clinician. As a clinician, you know, for sure. Um, yeah. At different capacities. Uh, number four, you don't compromise your values to avoid rejection or a negative response. Spicy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. That's... Super spicy, especially in these times. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, 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 kind of, it's kind of that concept of accepting that you can, you can understand and disagree, Yeah, I think. But you can understand the other person and, and make a different decision. Like, be like, no, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I see what you're saying, but I'm not comfortable doing that. And I think that can be tough because I think that there is this concept of if you understand me, then you 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 agree with me, and that's yeah. not true. Yeah, you can you can understand and disagree. Like I get that, makes sense. That's challenging. Yeah, but a sign of a healthy boundary. Absolutely. <laughs> Number five, uh, you communicate your needs and values clearly to others. Nice. Yeah, my exes need to hear that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's uh, I think it's Henry Cloud who says that like we are our boundaries. We are, and those boundaries are based off of our value systems and, and yeah. what we believe and what we what we see is is actually valuable. So yeah, you look at your boundaries or mine, and then you see you can see our values in that. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's good to keep that in mind. I'm not psychic. What? You need to tell me what your boundaries are. Okay. I can't just. Read your mind. Yeah, let's, let's, let's move. Let's move, let's move this. <laughs> I was triggered by that one. <laughs> no, but seriously, like it's it's our responsibility to be able to communicate that. Yeah, for sure. Right. It's our yeah. responsibility to let you know, hey, these are my boundaries, and then it's also my responsibility to also continue to reinforce them. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I think, yeah, boundaries are not a like a one done type of thing. Like they need to be revisited. <laughs> That's the toughest part. That's the (laughs) toughest part. No, but that's some serious shit, though. Like, I I think that's the toughest part about boundaries. It's like, okay, I have to, if I have a difficult time implementing Mm. a boundary for myself, right? Like, in this case, communicating what my needs are and what my boundaries are. Mm -hmm. The, 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 The challenging part is already just getting to the point of communicating that. And then on top of that, continuing to uphold those boundaries mm-hmm. because they'll be poked and prodded at again, likely. At which choice we also then have the responsibility to decide, is this a situation that I want to continue to partake in with when where my boundaries are continuously challenged, right? Mm-hmm. Healthy boundaries. Absolutely. There is a six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 that we will let you do the research on. <laughs> Wait, there but is? Th- yeah. But oh, there's, okay. those are a solid top five. Nice. I think those are so to give, give, give listeners an idea of what healthy boundaries look like. And if you'd like to learn more, again, these, this particular list is uh, by the Depression Project on Instagram, not by Adrian and Chris. We stand by these as healthy boundaries, um, but this is definitely not our IP. Yeah, we're not that eloquent. No. <laughs> Definitely not that eloquent. I mean, come on. Yeah, sure. If this Listening podcast is any indication of that. Yeah, no, no, no. There's no way I can write any of that. That's really well written. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, definitely check out again at The Depression Project on Instagram. Nice, nice. So, yeah. Boundaries, a healthy part of 
self-care. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's it's part of the 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 process of making sure that you're implementing self-care and that you're looking out for your own mental wellness. Yeah, and it's also it can also be a really effective healthy part of the therapeutic process. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. On professionally, right? Like on on the other side of it, yeah, as a clinician, mm-hmm. it makes you that much more effective. Absolutely. Yeah. When you're able to set clear cut boundaries for a session, especially with clients that are a little you know, all over the place, boundary pushing, mm-hmm. right? For sure. Because it helps them grow as well. It helps clients learn, you know, what it's like to experience boundaries or to adhere to another person's boundaries if that's something that they have an issue with. Yeah, for sure, man. Any uh, any healthy, speaking of which, any healthy interventions you used this week or anything that like you liked? Healthy interventions that I did this week. Um, I, I've, I've used a lot of DBT stuff this mm-hmm. week, just um, trying to... Trying to expand from CBT, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't too much of a, <laughs> it isn't too far <laughs> of a walk from CBT to DBT, but uh, I've utilized, um, uh, it's a, uh, a self-soothing toolbox, right? which you enter items or a collection of items that soothe each of your five senses. So mm-hmm. something that soothes you visually, something that soothes 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 <laughs> something that soothes your uh the the uh the soothes you uh in an auditory way mm-hmm. your sense of taste sense of smell s- you know sensation all of that so that that's been really helpful for clients who are struggling to remain grounded when overwhelmed uh clients who um struggle with uh distress tolerance Right, yeah. Cool, I like so it. So that, that, that was really, I felt really great utilizing that quite a bit in, in some of the work that I did this week. Hmm. What about you? Uh, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's something that was taught to me by, uh, again, my boy, Dr. Scott Grooms, great supervisor, shout out to You're him. You're my boy, Blue! Dude, I love that guy. Anyway, um, <laughs> he taught me this. He taught me this. This. Uh, this. This little. This way of conceptualizing how emotions can be primary or secondary. Like, okay. Um, sometimes, like anger, is you know you're just angry. Someone yeah. punches you in the face. You're angry, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes the anger can be rooted in something else. Like, so there's this. You can probably look it up. It's for our podcast list. Podcast listeners, I'm kind of like drawing it out now, but okay. It looks like it's like a diamond, you know. It's like mm. um, four sides, and it's you know, at the top corner is joy, on the left side is fear, mm. on the right corner it's sadness or hurt, and then at the very bottom is anger, right? Mm. So sometimes anger is it's not just it's you're not just angry, it's also your your anger is based in fear, you know. Um, you're afraid, um, mm. so you feel anger. Your your anger comes from a place of fear. What if my partner betrays me again? What if mm. I can't trust so and so? You know, you become angry at them, or you or your anger um, flows from you. You know, mm-hmm. and then sadness and hurt. Um, I'm angry because my partner betrayed me, or I'm angry because I was told this thing that was super destructive. Um, by my best friend, really, really hurtful. I'm angry at them. 
it's like, yes, you're angry, but there's something beneath that. Mm. You know, the anger mm -hmm. comes from somewhere else. So by working through those emotions, you get to a place of joy. And at the center of all this, at the center of everything, you know, of the stuff is truth. You know, mm. can we be truthful about why we're sad and angry? Um, can we be truthful about what we fear? And if we are, if we can be, then we can work through the fear, sadness, and hurt and get to a place of joy. So that is fire, bro. Um, again, I like that a grip. Me, I did not. I did not make that up. That was not taught to. Uh, that was not like something that I created. Yeah, no, it was no. Taught to me by Dr. Scott Grooms, and we're he, just sharing information. Yeah, we're passing yeah. it along. Yeah, and that's he, pretty fire, though. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I I love going back to this intervention, you know, over and over again because I think it's a great way of of showing. Okay, this is anger can mean different things. It's yeah. not just being pissed off. Good stuff. That is, yeah, that is really cool. I might have to sit with you. Um, after we're done with this and okay, go over yeah, that a little bit, because I, I really like that. It's pretty cool. Show, man. Awesome, man. Well, I think it's about that time for a self care piece. Yeah, yeah. What's uh, what's uh, what's your self care piece, man? Oh man, um, this week, uh, very similar to last week. Just taking mm -hmm. brisk morning walks to Starbucks, <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, listening to music that makes me feel. Yeah. Makes me feel. Mm -hmm. Just feel. Um, yeah, and for me, that's been uh, Joji. I've been listening to Joji a mm, lot. Nice. All right. Um, and particularly uh, stuck on that song, Yeah, Right. <laughs> so we're going to play that now. song that I came back to uh, recently it's called it's, the name of the song is certainty by a band called temples mm. the song itself it, I, I never paid attention to lyrics so if it says anything really bad then I'm sorry but for me it's who listens to lyrics <laughs> I mean some people do um, 
I, it's it's something that I've come back to recently just because it, it the first time I heard it, I, I was in a very, very happy place. Mm -hmm. Super excited um, about a lot of things. And I, yeah. I like going back to back to some of those songs because they remind me of they remind me of some very happy memories. I don't mm -hmm. see it like, oh, those were the days or anything like that. But it's more like back yeah, in my day. Like I remember what that was like. I remember that night. That was great. I like revisiting yeah. really happy memories through music. So that's something that I've been doing that's this week, up. and that, that song came up. Awesome. Well, let's hear it now. Episode two. Yeah, I'm wondering who who's upset at us now. Who's upset? <laughs> man, everybody's upset, man. I'm gonna be upset, man. Haters gonna hate. Oh man, they hate us because they ain't us. <laughs> hey man, you know episode two. That's it's pretty pretty great, and we had more listeners than I actually thought we would have. Yeah, you know, I you know I just thought it'd be my wife listening. I just thought. I <laughs> I thought it was just going to be you listening, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's mainly been me. I'm just like, what do I sound like Those 36 Spotify? plays, like half of those are mine, half of those are yours. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, if you don't know, now you know. You mean the stigma sucker. Yeah. I always wanted to do that. I always wanted to do that. <laughs>